You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. In this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, Kate and I talk about the $10,000 early access to super rules, what the job seeker subsidies and coronavirus supplements mean for you, as well as steps you can take to improve your financial situation today with all of the packages that are available. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Kate, thanks for joining me and welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Good to be back, Owen, and it's uh, a little bit sunnier than it was like yesterday, Sunday. It was quite dreary in Melbourne. Yeah, we're recording this on uh, Monday morning, nice and early, uh, <laughs> just to get in and while we're fresh, record some wonderful uh, finance work between us. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Kate? Uh, so today we're talking about some of the government subsidies that have come into play recently and also some of the super changes that you may have seen on the news about take actually being able to take money out of your super, which is quite crazy. Yeah, there's quite a bit of controversy about taking money out of super early. But then also we've, we've seen on the news how people are lining up around the block to, to go to Centrelink and to try and find out if they're eligible for payments and, and whatnot. So there are many Australians who are affected by, I guess, by the recent, I guess, coronavirus outbreak and, and the mm. subsequent economic fallout. Um, to be honest, I doubt that we've seen the last of this. We, we're only in the, I guess, the first inning, so to speak. But already we're seeing, you know, huge demand on the government for resources and for stimulus. And I guess we're hoping just to demystify some of the stuff that's going on, right? 
Yeah, and there seems to be new announcements every day. So there's uh, when this episode comes out, there'll probably be something new out there in the news. So it's definitely worth um, keeping track of it and having a look at the ATO and Centrelink websites because they seem to be getting updated quite quickly as well. So in terms of information, not yeah. access, I don't think. No, no, um, it's, um, it's a bit of a bottleneck there getting access to certain Yeah, things. yeah. But we'll we'll put, provide the show notes that you need in um, in the show notes for this resources. There'll be links there that take you to the websites where you can register your interest for certain things. What we're going to do is we're going to break this episode up into two, effectively two short episodes. So we'll have one for individuals, and then the next episode will be for businesses, uh, and we'll we'll run through the major, I guess, benefits and packages proposed in, uh, in both of those cases. So. Why don't we just jump into it, Kate? I'll, I'll just start off with something small, which probably doesn't really affect anyone necessarily. But straight up, you would have heard that many of the banks had announced huge changes to their funding. So not only did we have an interest rate cut from the RBA, which then forced, well, not, not forced, but prompted the banks to lower their interest rates on mortgages and personal loans and the like. What, we're, what we've seen is the Australian government injected around about $100 billion dollars straight into the banking system. And so what that does is like people think, well, why don't you just give every individual $100 billion? Like, wouldn't that just be a better way to go about it? Well, you got to think about the, the amount of credit that's available in the Australian marketplace. So people with mortgages and whatnot. Um, effectively, what the government did there was it eased the friction in the credit market and allows people and the banks in particular to keep accessing credit so they can lend out to Australians. So people that for example, need to refinance their home or people in business that need to get an overdraft facility or take out a loan to cover short-term cash flow. So that was the first major change that we saw from the government. And the net result for people like you and I, Kate, or even people that have multiple mortgages is that interest rates have dropped. So interest rates have dropped to around about, in some cases, like 2.09%. That is so low. That is so low. So when you consider maybe on a, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but let's say you have a five or $600,000 mortgage, that could be about two grand a month. So that's really low for a mortgage. And this is clearly the lowest it's ever been in Australia in terms of interest rates and repayments. So that's one stimulus that one stimulus package that is really, really tempting and, and really, really favorable for people. That's kind of like an indirect thing. Um, Kate, one of the things that, I don't know if I shared this with you, but we've had a fair bit of um, feedback on Twitter from people asking, is now the time to lock in interest rates? Mm. And my take on this is always kind of just take your time. If I mean, interest rates are definitely not going up anytime soon. I think I can no. say that. We can't give guarantees in this podcast, but that's about as close to one as you'll get, I reckon. Um, so, you know, this, I guess there's no rush to lock in your interest rate, but maybe you could consider splitting your interest rates between variable and fixed. Um, just be aware that when you do try and break a fixed interest rate, it can have an impact on um, on you in terms of a cost to break that that fixed interest rate. But anyway, that's something for people to consider. Um, it's definitely something that has benefited all of Australia by unlocking that credit freeze or potential credit freeze. The next one, Kate, is which we'll dig into in more detail in the next episode, is the small business packages, right? There's JobKeeper. Yeah, and the oh yeah, the JobKeeper is the the big one for small businesses, and I guess. And then they can also access um, low-cost um, funding as well through the low interest rates through um, bank loans at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into that in more detail in the next one. But mm. we shouldn't confuse that, the JobKeeper, 
with, which is a new thing with, with the job seeker, right? Well, naming them the same thing essentially, but uh, they're quite different. Yeah. So can you explain to us what, uh, what I guess the result is from all of these recent changes for people who are uh, thinking about going to Centrelink or are already on Centrelink payments? Um, can you just outline, outline what's happened effectively to people trying to get this job seeker payment? Yeah. So there used to be like a dozen or so different Centrelink um, payments that you could get for different reasons, like being a, a pensioner or a veteran or a, a new parent or blah, 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 lots of different payments. And they've tried to simplify the system to just call them job seekers now. And uh, so they, you get a certain amount of money. I think um, I was looking before at individuals, like singles with no dependents, you get, um, I think it was 565 a fortnight, I said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're getting that and then you're getting an extra $550 a fortnight coronavirus subsidy. <laughs> so okay. um, so that's a special extra during the moment and they're waiving a lot of income tests. Um, there used to be a certain amount of time you had to wait between mm-hmm. um, getting unemployed at one place and um, getting onto these benefits. So they've waived a lot of those waiting periods and they've waived a lot of um, you don't have to uh, d- prove that you're applying for a hundred jobs a day um, as well at the moment, because there's not really a hundred jobs, I guess at Woolies there are, but not really anywhere else. Mm. Um, so, so the net result is what, like $1,100 a fortnight for a single with no kids? Yeah. So a lot of the newspapers are just using that 1100, which is the the job keeper plus the 550 coronavirus and they're just yeah. rounding it to $1,100 per fortnight. So that's a single no dependent. So it could be a little bit more if you have a dependent or a little bit less if you've got a partner as well. Yeah. So if your partner, it's still, so this is what we call means tested. It's still means tested, but just not as aggressively. So means tested simply means that you may have a partner or some sort of assets that make you kind of wealthier by comparison to other people, right? Yeah. 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 I think they, um, there's a bit of argument recently. So they've actually raised um, the partner's income. So if your partner's still employed, they used to have to be earning less than X amount, but they increased that as well recently. Yeah. I think um, it was something really low. Like it was, Yeah, it would have just placed too much strain on Australian households. Yeah. I'm just doing it. There was, yeah. there, was an, there was another one that came through, which was, this economic support payment, I think there was two rounds of it, which was $750 to, and they said at the first, in the first instance, around 6.6 million people who were on some type of welfare payment. Mm -hmm. Um, And that included also concession card holders. And that was at 12 March. But then they came out and said that, hold on a second, we'll extend that to anyone that applies before April 12th. So that's still a bit of time. And now they've come out and said, there's another one coming, um, which again, is going to, to boost the, the, the hip pockets of people that um, rely on this money, right? Mm. And I, I guess they're hoping you're going to go and actually buy something like that 750 Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, at the, at the very least, you'd be, you'd be helping yourself, which then helps the economy. And this is the thing that people who, I guess, don't necessarily follow finance that closely, they don't necessarily understand that, you know, this is all interlinked. Like the government is here for a reason like the reason we pay taxes is for this and i don't want you to think because you get centrelink that it means that like this is stigma around it that hey um you know it's you're not as worthy or what have you you feel a bit of shame about 
having to go for one of these payments, but that is absolutely not the case. This is the reason we have these things. Um, so please take it up to take advantage of like everything that you possibly can. Like my mm-hmm. wife and I talk about this and it's kind of like, Oh, should I, or shouldn't I apply? Am I really eligible? Am I not? Hey, just go and do it. Like seriously, just go and apply. It takes 15 minutes. And if you think you might not be eligible, well, at least you've applied and I get at 15 minutes, like it doesn't turn out to be that amount of time by the time Centrelink crashes about 20 times, but um, just apply and see what you're eligible for. Yeah. And there's definitely, um, you have seen the queues, but you, if you've never accessed Centrelink before, um, so I haven't, that was my first experience. You actually have to go onto the the website and register your interest. So I'd urge you to do that as soon as possible because it means you'll get back paid um, from the date you were made redundant or you lost your, um, or various various things happen. So if you, if you didn't have a job, there's different mm. conditions, but if you go onto the log onto your MyGov account, or you might have to create one and then you can click a button that's register your interest because um, to put in a claim, you need a, a reference number. So usually you had to go into the store to get that reference number because they have to check your ID and everything. But now they're doing that over the phone, mm-hmm. um, which is a smart idea because you don't want these massive queues um, if you want everyone inside. So um, there's, it's quite a few weeks between when you register your interests and you get a call to verify your ID and get a reference number to put in the claim. So, um, it's definitely worth getting in as soon as possible. And then, um, I guess sitting tired and waiting for them to give you a call so you can get that claim in. But, um, I think that's why April's going to be quite a tough month for people. Cause a lot of people have been made redundant sort of two weeks ago when all those restrictions came into place. And, if they're still waiting for the call from Centrelink to put in their claim, there's going to be quite a few weeks of uh, no income coming in, which is quite a tough thing to deal with. Yeah, that's it, right? This is going to be a very tough period. So Mm. um, please do what you can now. Uh, I've heard stories of people who have driven past Centrelink and they think, you know, I feel so sorry for everyone that has to line up uh, and go through that process and then, lo and behold, a few hours later, they're in that line. So, um, you know, this is, this is something for all individuals to take notice of. And as we go through the rest of this episode and also into the next episode, uh, you might not think that you're eligible. There's something that you can do, but please take a moment and consider all of the different options that are available to you. Because even if you think that you're not going to be dependent upon some of these things, you might actually benefit from them in, in any case. So, um, that's an mm. opportunity for you too. And it's always worth getting in the queue to get that reference number, even if you're still employed right now, because if you need it in a fortnight's time, because there's still going to be more companies working out who they have to make redundant and stuff like that, then you'll have that number ready to go. Yep. And another thing you mentioned is the MyGov account. We've talked a lot about this on the show, right? Please get your MyGov accounts. Like it's, mm. it's even though you should have one already, sometimes you can, it can take time linking them all together, like getting your business set up to it. That took me some time. And then you have to do your, your Medicare and your, your ATO and Centrelink and all the different ones. So yeah. you got to link them all together. It might not seem like it should be easier than what it is, but it can take some time. Mm, I know I was trying to link the Medicare to it and they have to, you have to answer so many questions about where was your last doctor visit and who was it with? And I, I didn't know the answers to any of that. So I gave up, but um, it's worth persevering um, at least linking the key things. Yeah, because you can see your super in there too, right? And it's yeah. A, so we've talked about this in the bef- 
hopefully if you followed our, our lessons on uh, superannuation, you know that you can just log into your MyGov account and consolidate all your super with one click of a button. Mm, and you can check cool. that your, um, your uh, employer's been paying it. Mm-hmm. on time and they also when you put in your tax return and your tax you get your tax return back they give you a statement on that mygov portal and it actually breaks down all the taxes you paid that year and where they actually what the split was what went to defense what went to healthcare. so that's kind of cool to see as well yeah cool yeah so there you go so mygov um helps you connect to centrelink helps you connect to everything so give that a shot um okay kate the big one and it's probably the one that people are tuning into this episode for is uh, superannuation. So the government's come out, it's stimulated the banks. Then it's tried to stimulate households or individuals. Then it said, okay, as part of our stimulus for individuals and for households, we're going to allow people to access up to $10,000 of their superannuation before June 30th, 2020. And then once after June 30th, 2020, so you effectively can access $20,000 of your superannuation. Of course, mm-hmm. there are eligibility criteria, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to, to satisfy for early release, you have to be unemployed, getting one of these job seeker payments or youth allowance, or after the 1st of January, you are made redundant or your working hours are reduced by 20% or more. And there's some conditions in there for sole traders as well. Um, or businesses if your turnover reduced by at least 20%. Yeah. So this is an interesting one because obviously if you're unemployed, that's, it's a no brainer. You're eligible, right? Yeah. If you get some Centrelink benefits, including job seeker, which we just talked about um, some special benefits or parenting allowances, you're pretty much eligible. You can almost like pencil that in. You're, you're mm-hmm. eligible. The other one is if you were made redundant. So Kate, that might include people like yourself, mm. um, had your working hours cut by 20% or more since January 1st or after January 1st, which is quite a number of people, to be honest. Yeah, because a lot of employers are deciding to make people part-time or cut their hours rather than completely cut them out. Yeah, like, let's say, for example, the day that you apply for this, like I'm just using my, my accountant hat, let's say that you apply for this allowance today um, and you've been told that you have to take a mandatory week off. So um, some employers are asking their employees or telling their employees to do this. You know, you might calculate that, hey, yeah, my working hours have been cut by 20% or more. So therefore I am eligible. And you raised it before we started recording, Kate. That the, the thing about this is at the moment, they're saying that there's no proof required when you apply through, I think it's the ATO, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the ATO's website right now and it says you're not required to attach evidence to support your application. However, you should retain records and documents to confirm your eligibility. And that's the thing. So, you know, there might be some (laughs) fines that get handed out in, you know, three to six months or a year from now for for people who perhaps thought they were eligible but really weren't eligible and they got the Mm. money anyway. So I um, wonder how much they're going to police this down the track. Well, I was thinking about this, like, what do they do if you, like, let's say we go and pull $10,000 out, right? Yeah. And then they come back to us in a year, they're like, you took money out of your own super account and you weren't eligible. And And then you're like, well, "Well, I spent that. (laughs) Well, yeah, what do I do? Like, like, are you going to find me for taking my own money out of super? Like, I I don't know, maybe you have to replace it. I mean, that's, for some people, honestly, some people are thinking, well, maybe that's a headache I can deal with when the time comes. Yeah. You know, like, you know, instead of like really worrying about what's going to happen next, people will actually be thinking, 
ah, oh, well, you know, I'll just pay the fine or I'll replace it when I can. Yeah. Um, Cause it was quite a hastily rolled out idea. I mean, no one saw this coming as a sort of a, a benefit um, to access your super, but um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the ATO sort of checks that in the future um, yeah. and, and what they do if you took it out and you weren't supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's one of those things where you, you definitely want to get your accountant on board, just to have a, have a chat with them, see what they say, um, maybe even get a second opinion if if you think that maybe they aren't as helpful as what they can be. Just just be aware they're probably very busy right now. Um, mm-hmm. So the thing is that there's a lot to debate here, uh, and I think your opinion of it might differ slightly to mine, Kate. Even though we kind of sing from the same um, songbook. So the thing about this is the government has said you can access ten thousand dollars from your super, but Right now, and this is a bit geeky of me, Australian government bonds, which is where the government gets its money from effectively, so investors buy the debt issued by the government because it's a really stable economy and what have you, they can get debt from investors for less than 1% a year, right? But now let's think about them. So, sorry, let's think about them taking that $10,000 that they, they get for 1% and they inject it into every eligible person's pocket. So, instead of going to Superfund and asking for ten grand, the government just gives you $10,000 if you apply, right? But then we compare that with the option of taking money out of your own super. Now, the consequences for your Superfund aside, which could be devastating to the Superfund, let's just think about the cost of taking money out of super after the market has already crashed. Mm. So, so we know that superannuation tends to grow anywhere between five and 10%, let's say, um, over the very long term. So I crunched some numbers and let's just say a super fund re- um, achieves a 7% return. So just 7% return. $10,000 after 30 years becomes $76,000. Right, you go up to a nine percent return on ten thousand dollars, and it becomes one hundred thirty-two thousand after thirty years. The basic equation is that for every one dollar you take out, you take out now at a seven percent return, it's actually seven dollars sixty that you miss out on in the long run. Mm. Right, and so the the maths is like the government can get it at one percent; they can get this money at one percent, but you have to effectively spend seven percent or nine percent if it, if that's what your super fund will achieve to get access to the same amount of money. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's sort of thinking about that opportunity cost of what that dollar could do over a long period of time. That's it. And let's not forget the reason that we have a government and the reason that we, we pay taxes and we have rules and regulations is so that when the individual as, and the, the community as a whole um, get hit by something like this, the government's welfare system should be there to catch us Mm. because we, the people are the people that provide for the rest of the nation. And so, you know, I think it's pretty disappointing that the government has taken this route, you know? um, Yeah. I know it would have been very, very, very costly for the government to hand out five or $10,000 to eligible Australians, but at the same time, it would have been a lot less costly for the people than um, what they've proposed. Because down the track, if people have 20 grand less in their super, that substantially affects their retirement 
balance, which means that they're going to need more support from the government subsidies when they retire from the pension scheme, which we, which we assume is still going to be going in 30 or 40 years. So let's say you take $20,000 out um, in 30 years uh, and you would have achieved a 9% return or your super fund would have achieved that. That's 260 grand less. So it's either you've got to find that 260 grand or that you've got to make it up some other way or the government might, may have to support you for that extra amount of money. Mm. And so, you know, all of this combines and it's kind of like, well, there was a better option. Even from an economic point of view, there was a better option. But we've been dealt the cards we've been dealt. So we kind of have to, to live with it. So what do we do from here? Mm. So I, I think, yeah, the main on. thing is making sure that you exercise and explore all other options first before you do anything drastic and take 10 grand out of your super, I think. Yeah, and that's fair enough. But the thing is, though, that we there will be people listening to this. We will have listeners to this that need the money. Yeah, like you said April's going to be a very tough time. I'm not sure what the turnaround on this super re- uh, release is, but I don't think it's happening immediately. But the thing is, you you you're going to need this money if you if you've lost your job, if you've got bills, you know, piling up and whatnot. So um, there will be people that need this, and that is okay. If you need the money, you need the money because you'd mm. rather take the money from here than go into debt. Yeah, like a credit card or a shark personal loans going to yep. be even worse for you down the track because it's just going to be something you can't get rid of for years. Absolutely. So, yeah, taking, taking money from here is a preferable alternative to getting a 20% credit card or personal loan. Absolutely. And you, we, we've talked about this before, that kind of like death spiral of, of debt. Yeah, um, it's just you just fall into it, and you have loans coming out of this way, this place, that place. You know, it's all just crazy. And although the banks say that they're trying to, like, you know, cut out, cut off interest rates on credit cards and all those types of things, you know, it, it is it's going to be tough. So one thing you can do is you could take the money from Super, and you could crush those debts. So you could yeah. just knock them straight off. You mm-hmm. know, you could line them up and be like, okay, this is the one that's most painful for me right now. I need to get rid of that. Another thing you might do is you might, well, the first thing you should do when we talk about explore options is call your bank, talk to them and say, hardship plans, put me through to that department, please. I need to speak to someone. You know, we can talk about consolidating debts. We can ask, you can ask them maybe if they could waiver interest costs or early repayment mm-hmm. costs and do that before you pay it off, right? Yeah, and they might let you pause your mortgage payments for six months. There's been banks doing that and all sorts of things. So you negotiate with them first and see what they can offer you. Yeah, absolutely. So negotiate with them, explore Centrelink, explore MyGov. Um, mm. Then you can explore this superannuation thing. Maybe you can use that super money to, um, if you pause your repayments on your home loan, you can use the money from Centrelink to, you know, to keep, I guess, the, the food on the table for the next six months. Um, mm. But also you could use that money to um, extinguish those debts we could, you could use it for any number of different things, right? But also while you do all this, make sure you're thinking about, I think I spoke, did I mention the ramen number last, last week, Kate? Oh, I think you did, yeah. Yeah, so it's about finding the, the minimum amount of money you need to live on. Um, you can, we do this for businesses, you know, you, just, you say, what's the minimum number of, I guess, liabilities or costs that you need to pay? You know, how much do you need to spend to just keep the, the lights on? And that's effectively what you need to get to because then it makes this $10,000 go further. Yeah. It's, it's hard choices, right? 
And the big thing is you don't actually have to take the whole 10,000. You might work out if I'm getting 2,200 a month from Centrelink, maybe I need another $500 a month to cover all my bills and expenses. Maybe you take six months worth of that. So maybe take three grand out of your super to cover the gap rather than taking the full amount just because you can. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget you can access this payment after June 30th. Yeah. So if you decide that, Hey, maybe I need, you know, three or four grand to cover me for now, I might not need the rest, but then, Hey, you know, July 1st rolls around and you, you do need it. Well, then you've got the 10 grand there, but I would say one thing I would caution one thing about that, Kate, I would say that there's kind of this old adage for me, at least in financial planning, which is you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Mm. And so if you take this $10,000 out and you're a responsible person with money. And so by that, I mean, if you're an addicted gambler, if you are someone who has a dependency or something like that, or some sort of, you know, your money does unfortunately get abused in some way. You've got to recognize that maybe this isn't the right option for you, or maybe you can take that money out and try and do something with it. So you don't touch it, but that's a, that kind of like an aside, but you can take the money out, keep it there. And if you decide to put it back in, in a few months, because you haven't needed it, well, then you can do that too. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, we talked a lot about Kate on the show, people having three or six months of cash as, you know, and no debt. So they've got the, kind of that emergency fund. Well, if you were made redundant, I would hazard a guess that you're still eligible for this $10,000 or the $20,000, even if you've got enough money set aside to cover yourself. Yeah. Emergence, having an emergency fund is not one of the criteria on the ATO website. <laughs> That's it. So, so you could still get this money out and you could do something productive with it. But if you're the type of person who maybe thinks, <clears throat> you know, maybe this isn't safe in my hands. Yeah. You could drip feed it out, but just be aware that you might end up not taking enough out and you might need to go back again. Um, but mm. you can always go back. And <laughs> this is a little bit cheeky, Kate, where we talked about this before the show, um, before we started recording you can put money into super and claim a tax deduction, right? Yeah, I know there's been a few newspaper articles circling about this uh, loophole that they've uh, found where you can actually put the take the money out and put it back in and get that um, tax deduction. So uh, yeah. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to, I don't know if you can even crack down on it because what if you just say, oh, I didn't need the money, so I put it back? Yeah, I would say, to be honest, that the government will probably introduce something in the next financial year that will be to the effect of, no tax deductions. They'll go back to what they had two years ago, which was no tax deductions for anyone that's not self-employed or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah but that's a thing. <laughs> that's a little bit of a loophole that uh, is in the yeah. tax law and in the, the government's uh, ruling at the moment. But hey, that's not the, that doesn't matter. Like the, the big picture is that people have access to this cash. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we've kind of laid out, you know, if you do do this, you know, what, what, why you would do it, what you would use it for, the big thing is once you do pull it out, what do you do with it and how do you kind of repay or make up for what you've done? And the thing is we've heard, I think Scott Pape wrote about this recently in his email, but there's been a few others who have said this, make sure you put the money back. Yeah. And the way we do that, you know, next year, the year after the year after that is you up the amount of money that goes into super every month or every quarter and the way you do that is you just set up an automatic debit with your super fund or you, and you can claim a tax deduction for that if it's below the $25,000 per year threshold, or you um, just set up a BPAY plan 
or you do a salary sacrifice with your employer or mm. some other, you can even just ask your employer via salary sacrifice to increase the amount of money that they take from you and put into super. That's going to come out of what you receive in your pocket every fortnight or every month, but you can do that. So let's say, yeah. you know, at the moment you're getting around 10% super um, out of your pay. Maybe in a year or two from now, you set it up with your employer so that it's 10 or 15, uh, 15%, sorry, not 10%. So you kind of, you're adding that extra bit. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of money though. Yeah. You've, you've got to make a commitment to yourself if you take the money out that when you get back, when the world goes back to normal and you're employed again and you've got your financial feet and you've sorted your emergency fund that you commit to putting the money back into the super because otherwise you're going to be left with like a couple of hundred thousand dollar gap in your retirement balance. So Mm. Um, yeah, you've got to make a commitment to yourself that once it, once it's all over that you're going to put more money into your super. Yep. And I will actually just say something else I've forgotten, but there is a way that you can split super contributions. So if you have a partner who earns more money than you do, or just earns some money and you earn nothing, um, a way that you can get your super balance higher and kind of like equalize the balances between the two of you is to split contributions and you can split up to 85% of contributions. So let's say my partner and you know, a good wicket and I earn nothing and they're putting, they get $10,000 a year put into their super fund. I get zero at the end of the financial year or towards the end we can apply. And even in the next financial year, um, we can apply to have some of the payments that have gone in split across to my super fund. So if you just Google your super fund name and split contributions, you will find the instructions for this. But you can split typically up to 85% of their super contributions into your account. Mm. So where am I going with this? Well, let's say that you don't have $10,000 in your super fund, but your partner has, I don't know, 50000 You may be able to split some of the past contributions from their super fund into your super fund. And that might push you over the limit to get to where you need to be for super contributions and the withdrawal. Mm. That All of that said, there are minimum balances that you need to maintain your, your insurance inside super. So yeah. make sure before you do anything that you maintain your insurance, you've got to check with your super fund. Like this is a massive, I guess, risk area for people. They yeah. take, take the money out push it so low that they then trigger something which cancels their insurance. Most of your super funds are people you can call and talk about this. So you can ask them what is the limit. Yeah. And a lot of them are increasing their customer support at the moment, uh, understandably. But if you've got income protection insurance or life insurance or total permanent disability insurance coming out of your super and you take the full 10 grand out and that's all you had, suddenly there's no money to pay for that insurance and it, might just get automatically cancelled on you and uh, if you need it you might not have it so definitely mm. investigate the insurance or make sure you leave enough in to keep it going if you do have the insurances you want and invest and have a chat to your super fund as well because that that could be a really um, unfortunate sort of outcome of people just taking money from their super without understanding they've actually got insurances in there that they need to pay for. Yeah, let's, let's use an example. I'm going to be the worst case scenario, right? <laughs> let's say that you have, um, I don't know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in your super. You, you take $10,000 out and for some reason that drops, into, that drops down to 3000 and you haven't even ever logged into your super fund other than just to take money out and you, it automatically triggers this thing where it says below X amount, which might be $5,000 in this case, this is an example, 
um, default income protection that is applied to your account when you join the super fund, regardless, um, that triggers that you cannot pay for those insurance premiums. So the insurance is cut. Mm -hmm. Then let's say that in three months from today, you're severely hospitalized by some injury or you catch coronavirus and you're one of these people that gets severely impacted by that, but you have no insurance. Um, you know, these are the things that you really need to be careful on before you go dipping your fingers into superannuation. Just speak to someone or really just carefully read the insurance guides for your super funds, call them, do all those lovely things that you've always put off. Um, do it now before you make any decisions. You know, you've got time on your side here. It might not seem like it, but um, you can take, a day or two so you know 18 20 hours to really just review your financial situation mm. i mean everyone's i guess apart from sort of our frontline medical stuff have probably got some time to read the product disclosure statement that they've never read before <laughs> that's it that's it um, um and you also have access to free financial counselors so that's um mm -hmm. we've put the links to that but if you just google that um you'll be able to find um the free Australian financial counsellors um, and contact them and they may be able to assist you with exploring different options as well when it comes to this because it's a big decision to make. It is. It is a big decision. So um, I, I'm conscious this uh, episode has gone on for a little while, but one final thing I might add is that if you take money out, some people like myself might be looking at the rules for taking money out of super and putting it into other assets. So, for example, we use the example of taking uh, $10,000 out and it compounding at 7%. Um, and that's kind of like your opportunity cost of what you lost. But let's say you take the $10,000 out and you invest it yourself. That's a hypothetical scenario where someone could take money out of their super fund and then invest it themselves for the long term in their own name. Mm. Right. And that's kind of the counterpoint that I put in an article that I wrote recently, which I've put a link in the show notes to about if you know how to use your money and you're not going to use the money for anything like a holiday or, you know, buying a TV or something fancy, like it's just ridiculous. Um, if you're going to use this money for your long-term benefit, that's something you might even consider. Now I'm not saying that's something that everyone should do. Definitely not. It probably applies to 0.1% of the population. Um, but it's something that people would consider. Um, just be very careful about, you know, overestimating your ability to invest <laughs> and also about the tax consequences because when something is outside of super, so when you're not using the money inside your super fund, you can actually be taxed more. Yes. So that can really slow down your growth. Um, and whether that, you can outperform your super fund. Yeah, that's it. That's another question altogether. Like don't overestimate your own ability. Yeah. Uh, but that's something you could do, right? You could say, hey, I can see what my super is invested in. Why don't I just take the money out and invest in that myself? And mm. you could do that. Um, okay, so Kate, I th think this is, we've kind of gone on long enough to yeah. recap. What can people do for Centrelink? Uh, I'd just go in and register your intent to claim and uh, hopefully get a call in the next few weeks um, to verify your identity <laughs> and get that reference number. Um, so, and then you can put your claim in for that and see what you're able to access, uh, talk to your bank. Um, if you can negotiate any home loan payments, personal loans, credit cards, if you can get that interest stopped for six months or something like that, that, that would be fantastic. Um, and negotiate with your landlord as well. I know there's sort of an, an eviction 
Yep, there is. Ban. But um, you just chat to them. They're humans, you're humans, um, and sort of see what you can do. Maybe you can pay a discounted amount for the next few months. And also set up your MyGov account if you haven't already. Yep, that sounds like a great list. Um, I'll just add one thing on the end here. It's kind of like a bit of uh, promotion. But for April, uh, on our website, Rask Education site, we've made our A to Z complete money guide free. So for anyone that enrolls, we've already had 300 people enroll in less than a week. Um, So please, if you're interested in learning about finance, getting on top of things now, you can get the full online course for $0. So um, we'll provide show notes to that. And Kate's always writing stuff uh, for how to money. Um, As you know, she put out some great show notes last week. Kate, I think it was the most popular set of show notes we've ever put out or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, the the, um, resources and sort of different online learning tools episodes. So um, that was definitely a a popular popular one. Um, And it's definitely cool to see everyone doing all sorts of different projects and different things at the moment. So Yeah, so we we can see um, how many people visit our websites and we saw after we put these show notes out and in particular on Kate's website, how much you guys loved um, all of the resources Kate come up with. So um, we're going to put more show notes in today. Obviously, this is a really important episode for show notes. Please take a look, explore it all, sit down, grab a coffee, grab a red wine, grab two. I don't really <laughs> mind, but uh, sit down, take it all in, take a breath, stay safe and um, let's get on top of our finances now. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.